Okay. Welcome. Uh, today's episode was is another one of those I'm kind of struggling with um, what to make these episodes all about. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on, and I always feel like I'm working on something. And in the back of my mind, I think you're. I uh, that voice is telling me you're not doing the. You're not attending to the big thing right now. You're working on something kind of corollary. Um, so I just thought I'd do a little piece on um, the deep state because I posted up a comment on, on a YouTube video a while back and somebody said there's no such thing as deep state. It's something made up and stuff. And even if you could never come up with a list of names, you can sure come up with a list of shit they've done. Uh, I... I I ask you if you're ever bored, kind of like a cross doing a crossword puzzle or some Sudoku somewhere, put together your own list of the things that defy kind of defy logic, right? Things that can only be explained away because they don't fit anywhere in our system here. You know, constitution violated yet people getting awards or prizes for defending the constitution while actually working against it, the you know, criminal justice system, courts and things like that, um, doing really stupid things that just maybe five or ten years ago would have had everybody in a frenzy. So you ask yourself, who makes these decisions, really? Um, let's start further back. I'm going to go through just a couple of things, and I know there was a really good one, but I was busy doing some dishes and, and taking some phone calls, and it kind of slipped out of my mind, and I'll come back to it again someday, I suppose. But um, here's just a couple of them. Who decided the entire Awan family? Uh, remember the IT people from Pakistan? They actually worked in Pakistan and had everything streamed over there. The Awan family didn't need background investigations. Now, after all, the only criminal Congress IT ring in history, they, they had a control of everything that entered or exited, exited the offices of about a third of the Democrats in Congress or something like that. Uh, but there's nothing to see there, right? Because what the Awans did actually was Imran. I think the other ones were just, you know, street-level thug-type criminals. Uh, Imran was pretty sophisticated in his uh, offenses to the country. Uh, Imran created thin clients in the 40-plus House Democrat office he worked in. Uh, new, me new members, as the freshmen would come in and were voted in and would, would move into their offices, they were. They would try to contract other IT services, people they trusted, people they'd known in the, from the past, people, you know, to get the job done. But they'd mysteriously end up with the Awans time and time again. Did you know for, for you know uh, that the Awans had access to everything, even the house, their staffers or their interns, uh, anybody that worked in the in the Democrat Congress in that office. Now. Bear in mind that they worked for people on all of the committees, on each of the different subcommittees, right? So they had access to things coming into from other members of Congress, uh, from other agencies. They had access to all of that that came in because of the way they set their system up. Everything went out to them, every little thing. Um, for instance, the Apple devices, all of the devices, the communications devices, the phones, the tablets, the laptops, 
um, were everything, they had control of all the content, like the iPhones, you know, the Apple ID, how you could get your children, you have three kids, you can get, you, you buy three more iPhones, you give each of them a phone, you have the parent Apple ID, you see absolutely everything. You know, you can track them, you know where they are, you know where they're going, you know what they've been searching, you know if they took any pictures of something that they thought, hey, the Democrats are up to no good, I'm gonna take a picture of this. Nope, Imran can delete it and then clear out the trash. So, um, you know, if they spotted anything strange, they could just get rid of it and say it was a, a glitch. Remember how many glitches we had? Like everybody on Robert Mueller's team glitched their phones and wiped them? Yeah, that's what the uh, wands could do. So um, the obvious crimes that the wands engaged in would actually take several episodes to cover. There are books, entire books out there that detail this. So we'll keep it lean and mean. Let's just ask ourselves because of the, the topic at hand here. Why did the why did the FBI not have them on the radar? Because Capitol Police would you say? Well, then let's ask ourselves why the Capitol Police lost everything it touched that would have provided for prosecution of the Awan crime family. Everything, everything. DNC, DNCC servers. Javier Becerra's server went missing that Amran could remotely access all of the stuff in the house. You know. Uh, why did all that stuff go missing? Who made those decisions? But there's no deep state, right? Um, the file on the file of all the evidence, everything that had been collected against Imran was deliberately lost. So the more direct question could be in this, I guess, who benefited after the Democrats employed a family with zero percent chance of ever getting simple government jobs, much less maximum level paying IT jobs with access to more than half of the House Democrats' workings. Like I said, they didn't work for half of the House Democrats, but they certainly had access to half of their workings because of the inbox. Um, so, you know, it's such a something to think about. Uh, and, and here's a beauty. Who decided that to keep forcing those freshman Democrats to use the Awans after the Awans were banned from working in the Congress, in the House Democrats IT. Who, were, who that still happened months after they were banned because of this had been exposed. Why were we never told what really happened? Hmm? Why were the Awans, why was Imran given another $850,000? Gee, we're really sorry that Islamophobia caused you to lose your job kind of bonus after everything. You know, because here, it, when you work for the government, some of you probably have or are familiar with it, the, uh, the email system, would you'd have first name dot, last name at, and you know, like democrat.house.gov for your email address. After Imran lost his, he started using like something like 123mail at democrat.house.gov. So he still had access and could add himself to the system after being banned. It's really weird. Because that stuff's really like super illegal. Uh, that was a criminal workaround, and House Democrats needed his expertise as a criminal, not has not for his IT skills. That's just something to think about. Now let's look at these judges because there's a really important thing going on. Now I think one of the most important things is you know this court of public opinion. Somebody I think his name was Obama pushed like legal proceedings from the law into. Well, how do you feel about this, people? 
What would, what do you consider to be justice? So, who picked the judges? Who's been picking these judges? Who picked Judge Emmett Dirtbag Sullivan to hear General Flynn's case to try General Flynn? The last time Emmett Sullivan's name was you know big in the news, he just allowed the FBI and DOJ to take down the longest-standing Republican senator in American history, Republican Senator Ted Stevens of Alaska. I've covered him a few times. Well, back then, the DOJ brought in the husband of Judge Dabney Friedrich, we're speaking about Matthew Friedrich again, to take over the bribery case against Senator Stevens. After DOJ won the case, the defense team found the critical contract that the DOJ told Judge Sullivan did not exist. That would have exonerated him. That would have cleared him, right, the exculpatory evidence. But wait, there's more. So much more. The defense also found witness coaching reports and probably most importantly, the deal that had been made with the star witness to extract specific language in court that sunk Senator Stevens. Um, that would be bribing a witness, right? So information about deals the DOJ made, they were, asked, they were asked, hey, do you have any Brady? Do you have any Brady material? DOJ told Judge Sullivan that they didn't make any deals with any witnesses or they were informed of these ones. You know, I could see probably at some point in the future them deciding to make a small deal and then say, well, yeah, we had, we did this and then they show the evidence and it's very minor, very, and for most people that would satisfy their curiosity. Hey, yeah, gee, this, these guys are upstanding. They, they came clean on this and it doesn't look like it materially impacts the case. And then people just lower their guard again and let these jackasses run roughshod over justice. And, um, you know, so here, that, that case back then wasn't Judge Sullivan's, that was, this isn't his first rodeo, the whole, uh, General Flynn thing. Uh, it's his, I call it his ghetto rodeo, because that's the way he's good. You could take him out, and you could polish him up, you could send him to a chrome plater, and he's still ghetto inside. Uh, the people re, re, I refer to, or some people refer to as deep state, were once content to have just just crooked investigators or just crooked prosecutors or all you needed was a crooked judge. Now they use crooked people in every role because everything that gets leaked out to the media is just so much more convincing then. There's no minority report. You'd think an honest investigator, think, think FBI-like, uh, would hear about his or her work being picked up by, you know, in, co in court, uh, being misrepresented by the DOJ and then say, hey, wait a minute, you know, he could be sitting in a bar watching something and having a beer or a coffee and say, uh, that's not what, that's not the file we handed to them to prosecute and speak up. You think somebody with integrity would speak up. Well, good luck with stuff like that in the Senator Stevens case because Matthew Friedrich was the guy in charge, was one of the people in charge at the time, I believe, of the criminal division of the DOJ. You think you'll keep your job after you blow that whistle? I don't think so. So, uh, and for, for your information, more FBI whistleblowers were prosecuted during the Obama years than under all other presidents combined. I think that's kind of telling, all right? And it's such a small world that Matthew Friedrich's wife, Judge Daphne Friedrich, um, was chosen to try the case against the Russians accused of FARA violations in, 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 in the Mueller hoax, right? The Russia hoax. Um, because Bobby Mueller, 
decided he would name a couple of people and maybe a business here or there and you know nothing would come of it but it's just so much more convincing sounds so much more like a spy novel when you add that to it well the only problem was the company they picked had not been formed or registered during the time that they were alleged to have committed these crimes and they tried them with fair violations well when you don't have an american presence i don't believe you're supposed to have uh register anybody here when you don't have anybody here to register so that was a big problem. Now, here's the cool thing. The Russians actually came over and said, uh, we demand our day in court, you jackasses. So they needed to put somebody in there who would say s stupid shit in front of the microphone, in front of the cameras for America to see and chuckle, chuckle at, you know, in their little ghetto laughter. Uh, so they ended up using that uh, deep state hack, Judge Dabney Friedrich, Matthew's wife. Um, it's pretty crazy that the first interaction this Russian company had was their defense team. And then, uh, oh, yeah, Judge Dabney Friedrich is also the, the deciding the fate of those Capitol Hill protesters. So the FBI, again, this is the new model I was talking about, the FBI gets to investigate them, those seditious, treasonous, deep state hacks called the FBI. And a Marxist appointee gets to try them. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what's been going on with that. Um don't know what else oh hey um little homework check and see how that uh that the protester um who shot the disabled vet single dad in the head in alamosa colorado is going i do believe that that case is underway right now that would be the case last summer when a deranged social justice warrior Criminal a criminal defense attorney, James Marshall, shot uh, Danny Pruitt in the head. I'm going to look in that. Maybe I'll give you an update on that pretty soon. So let's move on to uh, other like departmental agency collaborative things. And again, you may get tired of hearing it, but the IRS targeting scandal because it involved not just the IRS, it was the FBI, the ATF, OSHA, um, yeah, when you can say, when, when your tax collectors have guns and badges and other sorts of skills and weapons, that's a problem unless you have accountability. And they didn't. Because if you recall, uh, Obama claimed there were two or three or four hearings on that scandal and the hearings didn't turn anything up. Now, hindsight being twenty twenty. The message there, the, the secret message, is that hearings are worthless because as soon as the Marxist Democrat machine lost his chokehold, the IRS admitted that the um, targeting was deliberate and focused on conservatives and issued settlements to the affected parties. Who decided there was no real need for uh, a, an investigation, an actual investigation, to get to the bottom of that? The, the, under his entire second term, right? Who need who decided that that there wasn't enough evidence? Probably the FBI, right? Um, so, but there was there. Was, in fact, there was so much evidence that the other agencies, guilty agencies, decided to not even. They just threw in the the, the the towel. They decided not to argue or fight because. But overall, though, it's a win for Marxism because nobody really gives a shit about this kind of stuff anymore because there are bigger fish to fry these days. Which brings me to the voting laws in the Constitution and more, you know, contemporary kind of shit going on. 
2020 was the first election year that dark money was actually a good thing. It was also the first year that big tech and big business were given direct, ac direct access to change the way elections are held. Now, and I'm, I'm of the opinion that these unconstitutional power-sharing tactics were well-documented and discussed. You, you can only imagine, right? You can only imagine unscrupulous criminal Democrats and Republicans sitting around in a, in a break room somewhere looking at that big tray that has one muffin left on it. Democrats and Republicans know snatching that muffin, that last one, would cause an uproar in the country because it violates every known social norm. Well, the best thing for one party to do is to decide that there's no such thing as social norms anymore. That way you can just grab that last muffin. But anyways, what we're in right now is nobody cares because the country is distracted by uh, with overblown suicide by cop cases, corona fascism, fake insurrections, and the gift that keeps giving, which is the Russia hoax. So if you keep dragging America through this kind of avoidable hysteria, um, it will be like other countries where murder in the streets will become an acceptable, well, we don't have social norms, but it'll be the social norm. And these are the things that the fake, phony fraudsters on the left are pretending are totally okay. Just 10 years ago, they would have been in a tizzy if any Republican would have even thought of this stuff. And that's the kind of decline that some of us talk about and are worried about. Others call it progress. Take care, everybody, and God bless.